Welcome to the dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I read a story from American history to a guy named Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about or what the intro is going to be like. Lately, I, down, I downgraded our. Yeah, our, I'm our just a guy now. I downgraded our relationship. Just for this one, or is that new? I don't know how it's going to go. Okay, you need to pick some things up. Oh my god. Maybe drink less kombucha. This is my first of the day. Eventually a parasite's just going to live inside of you. Yeah, and I have a feeling its name will be Dave Anthony. Not cool! God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Is Dave okay? Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Listening to the Dop. This no, no, podcast this. is sponsored by our subscribers on Patreon. I want to thank each and every one of you. you guys are awesome, and it's very beneficial considering how much work I do and how little Gareth does. Huh? Seventeen fifty-one. Yeah, let's get smelly. Benjamin Franklin wrote observations concerning the increase of mankind, people of counties, countries, etc. That's that's the title of his essay. What is it? Observations concerning the increase of mankind, people of countries, etc. Okay, still not getting it. It was a short essay he had written uh, to give to his friends. It would be published in 1755 and reissued ten times over the next fifteen years. Love you, just give your friends essays. That that's the time when you did that. You're like, yeah, you know what? I would like all my friends to know what I am thinking. I'm going to give my six closest pack of friends an essay this oh, week. God, can I not get five essays this week? Can I, uh, just, Madison? Can hello. I just Madison hang out? I've and written you smoke an essay. Pot. I've written you an essay and. Look Tell my slaves what to do? Get Can I just do one. that? You're going to love this one. Oh, this one has you written oh, all over it. Good homework. Yes, yes, exactly, Madison, exactly. Uh, so, I'm weird looking. Yes, you are. Aren't I? Yeah, very much so. Very, sort of like uh, the penguin. You are much like the penguin. Yes. Anywho. Okay, this is a good conversation. All right. The essay discussed population growth that uh, that slavery diminished the nation. Uh, it was against protectionist policies and projected a large increase of English settling in America due to available land. So okay. he's just you know talking about different shit. Yeah, a little all over the place. That's why you have a title like that. You yeah. can just write whatever the hell you want. And he was disturbed by all the Germans coming to Pennsylvania. Ah. Uh. They did not speak the English language. And, let me just check the sound. Yeah, it's all good. They did not speak the English language and didn't know English culture. Quote, why should the Palatine Boers be suffered to swarm to our settlements and by hearing together establish their languages and manner to the exclusion of ours? Why should Pennsylvania, founded by the English, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous as to Germanize us instead of our anglifying them. 
and will never adopt our language or customs any more than they can acquire our complexion. It's like when you get your grandpa talking about the war. Like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, you, no, Franklin, don't. No, don't. no, no. You know what? Benjamin Franklin's awesome. Their Talk, eyes Get him different. talking about electricity. Get him talking about the, the Constitution. Do not talk to him about Germans. Uh, what did someone say, Germans? No! Oh, Benjamin! They make my blood boil. Their little eyes. Their little eyes. Their, their little beady eyes. Skin. Their white eyes. Their blonde hair. Ben, you just hate them because they're pretty. Bullshit! I'm also pretty in a kind of penguin penguin wearing bifocals way. You can actually call me the penguin. Quote. Penguin Franklin. <laughs> Quote. All Africa is black. Asia chiefly tawny. Ooh, America wholly so. Ooh. And in Europe, the Spaniards, Italian, French, Russians, and Swedes are generally of what we call a swarthy complexion, as are the Germans. The Saxons only excepted, who with the English make the principal body of white people on the face of the earth. Whew, so he's really Benjamin, coming out. You don't hear this about Benjamin he's too often. He's having a coming out party. He's on, on our money. He's on fire. Benjamin Franklin was partaking in good old-fashioned nativism. Ah, which the Native Americans also took part in, but uh, did not did this <laughs> Didn't work out very yeah. Uh, nativism is the political position of preserving status for established inhabitants of a nation. But is, it's so, I mean, any, yeah, you just can't get past it. You can never get past the idea that it wasn't, it was not theirs. Right. They made it theirs. Right. They took it from a group of people who didn't even want to say it was theirs. They right. were like, it's just everybody's. No, it's everybody's. You and can't own land. Now they're just like, it's ours, goddammit. If this happened on a playground, Benjamin Franklin would be on timeout. For for sure, yeah. you've got a long timeout. Yeah. No, okay. Benjamin, you don't own the tan bark. I do too. I found it second. No, that doesn't make sense. I beat up Greg, and then I took it. And I found That's it. That's exactly how all countries work. <laughs> You just described all countries. Yay! I beat up Greg and took it. I beat up Greg and I took it all. Um, so nativism would usually take the form of anti-foreignism or anti-Catholicism. Nativists objected to Irish Roman Catholics because of their loyalty to the Pope and also because of their rejection of republicanism as an American ideal. Nativism was a holdover from England where anti-Catholic hostility was the rage. So nativism really was just hating anyone different. Basically. Okay. The Catholic population in colonial America was very small, and they found themselves on the other end of the law. In 1642, the colony of Virginia enacted a law prohibiting Catholic settlers. <laughs> just I just mean, no Catholics. Okay, new rule. None of them. What? That's it. But this country was founded upon... No! Okay. The second Massachusetts Charter in 1691 decreed, quote, that forever hereafter there shall be liberty of conscience allowed in the worship of God to all Christians, excess, except papists. Wow. Papists. That was there, there better been of like a dot, dot, dot. Except people who follow the Pope. Dot, dot, dot. It's so great. Except for 
everybody can worship unless you're a Catholic. The whole thing is that we all need to be looked at the same in God's eyes. Unless, of course, the Pope is your man. Then get the F out! Yeah, you fucking Pope, idiot! In 1692, Catholic Maryland overthrew its government, established the Church of England by law, and then forced Catholics to pay heavy taxes to support the (laughs) Church of England. Must have been weird to put your money towards that. Right? You're like, well, that really doesn't benefit me at all, but you do have numbers. The numbers are on your side. This is exactly what I'm against. Yep. All right. Here you go. Uh, They no longer were allowed to partake in politics. Mass, the church's sacraments, and Catholic schools were outlawed. Wow. That's bold. Yep. So it almost feels like Catholics weren't allowed. It seems like they're not liking them. Right. Okay. There were only uh, 35,000 Catholics living in in the colonies during the American Revolution, almanacs, tracts, what's tracts, sermons, and periodicals all vilified Catholics. School teachers instruction, instructed children to, quote, abhor that errant whore of Rome and all her blasphemies. Wow. <laughs> anyway, that's lesson one. Okay, now to bunnies. <laughs> now we're going to learn about bunnies, guys. First, let's talk about the whore of Rome, and then we'll do math. If you meet a Catholic, rip his dirty, dirty eyes out. Now, to maths. There were also standard children's games, like Break the Pope's Neck. <laughs> well, that, uh... It's not too secretive. This isn't America we heard about. How did you... <laughs> how do you play Break the Pope's Neck? I feel like that's... One of the kids was probably the Pope. And the stubby tail of a roasted turkey was nicknamed the Pope's nose. <laughs> the, it's so over a the turkey butt. Ass was the Pope's it's nose. It's over the butt. <laughs> a few of America's founding fathers were not into Catholics. In 1788, John Jay tried to get the New York legislature to prohibit Catholics from holding office. The legislature did not go along, but it did pass a law requiring all office holders to renounce foreign authorities, quote, in all matters, ecclesiastical as well as civil. So they so they almost made it harder for more. They were like, we're not going to be that specific. We'll just say anyone from other countries holding another religious another yeah. religious system in place. Yeah, that's fun. In 1798, four bills called the Alien Sedition Act and Sedition Acts were passed by U.S. Congress and signed by President John Adams. These bills included new powers to deport foreigners and made it harder for new immigrants to vote. Really didn't last that long. What? Right? This sort of like, I mean, we were, you know, really, really hit the ground running for a minute. Yeah. And then we're sort of like, well, there's a lot of ground here, but I don't know if anyone can just hit the ground running. Yeah. It's weird when a bunch of white Protestant men write a constitution for a country, how it's not equal. Hmm. Well, I think we're saying different things. <laughs> <laughs> These bills included new member black people were people with this. Oh, I'm, re- I'm aware of where black people's status is at in this time. These bills included new powers to deport foreigners and uh, made it harder for new immigrants to vote. Before an immigrant uh, would have to live in the U.S. for five years to become eligible to vote, but the new law increased this to 14 years. That is quite a bump. Yeah, that's a huge bump. Because when you say five years, I, I, you know, I, I think there could, there could be something to the argument of 
you need to sort of understand the culture a little sure. bit when you get here. We sort of like found established so before you get involved in local politics. Yeah. Maybe you should know a little bit of what you, well, who are you in this world? Yeah. What do you believe in this world before throwing you right into the voting booth? I feel like five years is maybe a little excessive, it's but probably, then 14, all, 14, 14 really, years is a bit much. 14 really seems like a long stretch. Yeah. <clears throat> now that you're almost dead. Yeah. Yeah, really. Uh, and it also made... All people... I wanted to do was vote for more potatoes. <laughs> the whole time, There's the no... only thing I wanted hey, to do was yeah. say that we should have a few more potatoes. There's no potato vote. You can just plant them. Oh, my God. Why did I wait 14 years before planting a potato? I thought fucking... I had to find the You're candidate stupid. who backed the potatoes. This is why we call you stupid Irish. Oh, well, it's all started to make a little bit more sense. <laughs> And uh, and it also the acts also made people from enemy nations ineligible for naturalization. <laughs> okay. At the time, the Federalist Party ran the government. They were the first American political party, and they were led by Alexander Hamilton. Hamo. Hamo. It was formed by bankers and businessmen, and believed smart fiscal policy and nationalism were the way to go. Oh, God, I hate it. John Adams was the only Federalist president. Uh, They were very popular in cities and in New England, and they saw foreigners as a deep threat to American security. And John Adams had once gone to a Catholic mass to observe. Afterwards, he said he enjoyed the music and then ridiculed the Catholic rituals. like the music. Eat the body of Christ. I'm going to stand up and sit down. There's a little bit of blood on my knees. Take the wine. Now we're going to sing. I can't get one of the songs out of my head, though. One Federalist congressman said there was no need to, quote, invite hordes of wild Irishmen, nor the turbulent and disorderly of all the world to come here with a basic view to distract our tranquility. Wasn't the whole thing... What? Wasn't the the whole idea... I think the point of this podcast is that no, it wasn't. <laughs> you know all the stuff you learned? Completely not true. Well, thankfully, I haven't learned that stuff, but That's one true. that most have. You know a lot about animals and bugs. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Not surprisingly, so do orangutans. Not surprisingly, <laughs> the opposing party, the Democratic-Republican Party, as it was known, was made up of a lot of foreigners, and this hurt their ability to get elected. Eventually. Yeah, I mean they what like what, what did the I would to be a fly on the wall in that room. Oh god. During their debates. So I feel like uh you know again we keep going over different fiscal policy which I think is important but they, I think at the end of, end of the day if you think about it a big problem is that they simply will what, not allow us to What if we hate ourselves? What if we start a platform no, they are, we try, where we, we call we ourselves shit? I I like what you're thinking but again I think the big fundamental issue is we can't what a fucking garbage. I agree, we are a total what, trash. What a moment. shit people. All, the whole lot of us. Is there any way that one of us could just vote for some potatoes? <laughs> Who the fuck? God damn it, Paddy! I just would love me to be able Paddy! No! You just plant the potatoes! You don't fucking vote for them! Well, now to be fair. That, no! To be fair, that's what I was told the last time, right? Okay. And then. Okay. And then. Okay. After talking to my wife, sure. she laughed me out of the room. So I thought oh. I'd come here and confirm one more time. So I could simply plant them. Okay. 
I've been well, here 25 years and we've been eating nothing but So let's all husks. laugh at Paddy here. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. I'm laughing too. You're an idiot. I'm laughing too. Uh, eventually, Thomas Jefferson would be elected in 1800, and the Alien Sedition Acts were repealed, mostly. The Alien Enemies Act would remain. But okay. let's let's be clear. So, okay. Jefferson still wasn't a fan of Catholics. Right. Of the Catholic Church in France, he wrote, quote, History, I believe, furnishes no example of a priest-ridden people maintaining a free civil government. Oh, God almighty. Thomas. I mean, that's frustrating on two levels now. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's frustrating to hear him say that then, and then it's also frustrating like, to think that he would still be frustrated today. <laughs> Quote, In every country and in every age, the priest has been hostile to liberty. He is always in alliance with the despot, abetting his abuses in return for protection to his own. See, even as someone who's not religious... Right. You, when, when... I mean, yeah, granted, their priests um, have had some... But as, as far as seeming like rational... I mean, they, they, for the most part, seem fairly rational. Obviously, there's a few yeah. bad... I'll stop. But the Catholics kept coming to America. By 1820, the U.S. population of Catholics grew to over 300,000. <clears> there were great fears among some native-born Americans that the foreigners would bring undemocratic ideas to America, which would lead to an authoritarian government. Uh -huh. Their allegiance to the Pope was seen as an allegiance to a foreign leader. <clears throat> I'm a little confused, though, because they, they, were, afraid, they were afraid that them coming to this country would form an authoritarian government when it almost feels like at times we'd lived in an authoritarian government. I don't, I don't need your thoughts. Okay. They believed Catholics would not stay loyal to America and would undermine the system. Show me the birth certificate. Show it to me. In the 1830s, immigrants from Ireland and Germany poured into the U.S., which greatly increased the Catholic population. This was an, an explosion in immigration. Between 1830 and 1850, two million immigrants came to America, and with them came new anti-immigrant movements. Sure. They blamed the... Why didn't they just build a wall? Oh, God. Why don't they just Easy. build a wall? They blamed the uneducated, unskilled immigrants for poverty, crime, and disease in New York and other major cities. Jobs were hard to come by, and of course, fingers were pointed at the immigrants. They were also blamed for low wages as well as crowding and expensive housing. The city of New York complained in 1830 that its social services were being overwhelmed by the, quote, foreign element. Okay. Sure. Mm -hmm. When Americans are secure in their own social standing, immigrants are seen as harmless. If immigrant uh, population rises while Americans are dealing with social conflicts, the clash of traditions can become a crisis. That seems like the, the, that seems, seems like crazy. there's no credible evidence to back that. No, up. I can't think of anything. Natives and immigrants then fight over what it means to be American. Nativists believe that immigrants will infiltrate and subvert American culture and take jobs. The threat of natives, the threatened then the threatened natives then rise up and band together to repel the immigrant horde. Dave, why did you want to do this one? I can't think of any reason. When they become uh, organized, a social movement is born. Huh. Hmm. 
And that's bad any, for the establishment? Can you think of any thing that that relates to? It kind of reminds me of the Twilight movies a little bit. Right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. This if is you think about, about it, movies. sort of like... Yeah, there's a whole... Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's... Is it... My final answer, Twilight movies. Yes, you are correct. Yes! Moving on! <clears throat> the Irish Catholic immigrants reacted to these attacks by turning inward and towards the church. Charities and education were sponsored by the church, which were instrumental in helping immigrants survive the hostile environment. Sure. Of course, their turning inward was just used against them well, by the... natives who said they were rejecting American customs. Right. So when <laughs> you're a bunch of cunts, well, then I'm just going to talk to my friends. Look at them. They just talk to their friends. Look at them hoarding over each other like that. So, okay. Yeah. So you really were, you had very little choice as to what you could do that would be proper. Basically, you're just screwed. Yeah. In places like New York City, where many immigrants went, the Democratic Party welcomed them. The Democrats were popular in the West and South, and immigrants gave them a foothold in cities like New York. Okay. <clears throat> For those who don't know, aren't American, the Democrats back then were the pro-slavery party. Well, I think that we all have, you know, we've all done silly stuff. I remember uh -huh. I used to love the, um, uh -huh. I used to love, uh, sure. yeah, it was it's tough to hear. I know. This turning inward increased nativism, which increased the Catholics' isolation. Nothing. It's just like a hate spiral. Well, it hate doesn't spiral. feel like that. Feels like it's a way to band the Catholics together. <clears throat> of course, in cities, the Protestant, Irish, and native-born Americans organized groups and started handing out anti-Catholic literature and printing Catholic-hating newspapers. Well, those are fun. Those are fun papers to read. Ah! Got to have a sense of humor about yourself if you want to come to this country, unless it's about you. Fuck the Pope. Read all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid Catholics and their small Pope-loving brains. Uh, between 1830 and 1860, there were at least 270 books, 25 newspapers, 13 magazines devoted simply to hating Catholics. Wow, that is that is a that's a big business. That's big. In 1836, Maria Monk published a book called "Awful Disclosures of the Hotel Dio Nunnery of Montreal." She wrote about forced sexual intercourse with priests and the murders of nuns and children. No comment. It was an incredibly successful book, but also a complete fabrication. Monk's mother said that Maria never belonged to a nunnery and that a brain injury... The last name Monk is a giveaway on her a, background. It's, not it's a obvious great, who she works for. Yeah. The you. silent people. <clears throat> right. Words, her written words were her only weapon, David. Thank you. Otherwise you get shushed. I don't get it. Okay. Um, her mother said that a brain injury she received as a child was probably the cause of her stories. Interesting. I wish we could do that more now. Her book sold over three million copies. Whoa, that is a lot for them. <laughs> Holy God. And she wrote a sequel. Of course you do. Got to. Three million copies. That's a lot. Yeah. Of just total bullshit. That's still, that's that's a million little pieces right there. Yeah, yes, it is. At the same time, there was an anti-Catholic lecture circuit. Ex-priests and ex-nuns, at least as they claimed, 
would tell audiences lurid tales of nuns and priests having sex and, of course, dead babies buried in the basements of convents. Wow. So are you inferring that these are possibly actors? Well, pretending? They're, they're just people who... Well, they're just people who... Realize they can make a buck and yeah. <clears throat> made, made up stories right. on a lecture circuit. It's good times. Aside from the dead babies, it sounded like my favorite religion for a second. Priests, the nuns, getting busy. I like that. Girl. I like that. little sexual tension when they're lighting those candles. You know, you're like, that, you think he's doing her? Excuse me, Father, I have uh, sinned. Well, so have I, my boy. Sweet God. <laughs> oh, sin this morning, sinning tonight. Protestant leader Lyman Beecher published an influential, influential book called A Plea for the West. In it, he urged Protestants to exclude, quote, the foreign Catholic menace from Western settlements because they were corrupt. The book was one of the reasons a Boston mob attacked and burned down a nearby convent. Oh, yes. Good. Must be, I mean, it must have been pretty good. <laughs> if you get them that fired up, it's that's got to be pretty compelling. It's a good book. Yeah. Thirteen people were arrested for burning down the convent. The trial revealed widely held anti-Catholic biases. The prosecutor was not allowed to ask jurors whether they were prejudiced against Catholics. Well, that's a mean, pretty that's limiting. A little, that's pretty limiting. I mean, goes to motivation, maybe. <laughs> that's pretty limiting. <laughs> when the first defendant was acquitted, an audience of a thousand people applauded. Wow. When he left the courtroom, he was mobbed by people congratulating him. Boy. You done good! Well done. Justice was served. Sacred of political parties were formed in response to the Catholic threat. Some nativist groups tried to take advantage of the climate, forming political parties trying to gain control of local governments. None succeeded on a national level. Yet. Adorable. Oh, boy. The Native American Democratic Association was organized in 1835. Their candidates ran on a platform openly opposing Catholics and immigrants and won 40% of the vote in New York. Dave, we, I can't. I mean, what does it sound familiar? I, I, I'm al- I, I think we're almost at the. I, you almost just can't even talk about it anymore. <laughs> Similar groups then popped up in Baltimore, Philadelphia, and other cities. In Philadelphia, tensions over religious, economic, and cultural differences grew and grew. In 1842, there were rumors that a Catholic bishop wanted Bibles removed from schools. (laughs) Oh, no. Naturally, this was because the Pope had ordered it. Right. Yeah. What what else would it be? He put a message in this bottle. Motherfucking Pope. He threw it across the ocean. That's what I'm talking about. Got there. Word got to them. Yeah. And they know who it's from. Right. It's from Popey. And we all know the Pope hates Bibles. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, he's always yeah. been really opposed to that yeah. sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, what the, if the, imagine the Pope coming out against the Bible. It's a fucking, it's what he does. He was a bunch of really crazy bullshit. Is that the Pope? He's a bullshit. <laughs> does he have meatballs? Uh, yeah, many meatballs. Now, the meatball <laughs> is not a bullshit. <clears throat> the Nativist American Republican Party formed in 1943 in New York and expanded quickly to Philadelphia. In 1844, it won municipal elections in New York City and Philadelphia. In May 1944, the party held a meeting in an Irish suburb of Philadelphia. The locals, Irish immigrants, 
were not down with the public meeting. Really? Isn't that strange? Weird. Let's go where they are and we'll have a fucking meeting. Like, really? Yeah, a little in your face. Fist fights broke out. As the fighting spilled into the street, people shot at the nativists from windows. So the Irish are shooting from their houses. I do. Lo- I love that every real fight goes into the streets, yeah. falls into the streets. No, it's like a movie, and it's true. It's great. They all roll into the streets. Eventually, they just start rolling so much that they roll in one direction, yeah. and they either go through the door or out the back door or through the window, but they're in the streets. They're in the streets. Yeah. So now they're shooting from the windows. Uh Two nativists died. Then the riot was on. Nativists attacked a seminary and a few Catholic homes. That's so. It really. I mean, like if you saw like drunk Irish dudes getting into a fight, you were like, oh, "Sweet God, we're gonna die." <laughs> like if you're a rational, you're just a rational person trying to study the Bible. You're like, "Well, uh, drop the oh, accent. I got a bad feeling gosh. about tonight." Yep. Let's. Are you? Have you been working on your accent? Yeah, I know. I hate those damn Catholics, too. By the time the shitstorm stopped, four nativists were dead. This was when it was hard to stop a riot because there wasn't a police force. Perfect. A a constable had to call the sheriff, who then had to form a posse. (laughs) So it had to go, all right, all right, to like, okay, I've got it, to like a posse of people. Yeah, it's just like six hours. That's the chain. Must have felt pretty powerless to be a constable in these times. Oh, Jesus, the worst. Oh, boy. Wish I had a partner. Uh, you watch out, and if in like nine hours, you're going to be in trouble. Once the rest of them get here, I'll be combing my mustache until then. Uh, a couple of days later, the riot was back on. Nativists destroyed a fire station, 30 homes, and a market. The state militia arrived to stop the riot, but the next day, it was back on. A Catholic church was burned down, and the crowd cheered as the steeple fell. Boy. The mayor pleaded for the mob to stop, and they just threw stones at him. Mm, it's tough. Come on, you guys. Please. Let's wrap this up. Thump, thump, He's thump, reading. Thump, pretty, please. Pretty, pretty. Okay. Some of you guys, some of those rocks are a little heavier than the other rocks. A Catholic school and a seminary were burned down. This time, 14 people were killed. I, I will say this. Their plan almost sounds effective. I mean, they're really getting rid of a lot of Catholics and Catholic they're training the, facilities. They're definitely getting to the heart of it. Yeah. <clears throat> the mayor created a force to protect Catholic churches. Then, in July, when nativists saw some guns being brought into a church, which were being used by the volunteer forces to protect it. Well. From them. Right. They lost it. The church was surrounded. After a few days of back and forth, there was now a huge nativist crowd and a large posse, along with the military, protecting the church. And, of course, off it went. The fighting lasted for hours. Both sides shooting. Then they both brought in cannons. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just amazing. Like, because they're fighting over the fact that they might fight each other. The reason these guys are fighting is because they were bringing in weapons to protect themselves in case there was a fight. Yeah, so they're just like, oh, wait a minute. They think we might fight. Fight, fight, fight! And now they've upgraded to cannons. Cannons, for sure. Yep, logical. The next morning, it was all over. Fifteen people had been killed. Whew. Meanwhile, in New York City, Archbishop John Hughes called for the Irish to defend St. Patrick's Cathedral as nativist 
mobs began roaming the city. Oh, boy. The armed Irish occupied the churchyard, and the anti-immigrant mobs were scared off from attacking the cathedral. No Catholic churches were burned in New York. Okay. That's because we're New York! Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, the riots caused further tension between immigrants and nativists all across America. And this became an issue in the 1944, sorry, 1844 presidential campaign. The Catholic Church decided to open their own schools instead of trying to influence public education. Okay. As with any polarization episode, people took sides and many went back, many went to back the American Republican Party or the Native American Party, which were essentially the same party, but with no national organization. A national convention was called in July 1845 for nativists to come together. Okay. They now would be called the Native American Party, and they drafted a platform. I, I, it's, it's just so hard to hear Native American Party as, yeah. like, the thriving party right. when it's just... Yeah. When it's not made up of Native Americans. You're right? correct. Right. Okay. Well, their version of Native Americans. Right. Their ver- right. I mean, which says a lot. Yeah. The platform called for immigrants to live in America 21 years before becoming citizens. Uh, so, in other words, two-thirds of your life. Well, if you come here and you're 30, that's it. You're oh, dead. Oh, if you come here and I you're mean, 30, back that's then, ridiculous. Back then, the lifespan is... Yeah. Uh, and, and also other sweeping immigration reforms. But they were unable to get Congress to act on it. And then the Mexican-American War broke out, leading Americans to take their eye off the immigrant issue. The war led to the Native American Party's demise, but the anger against immigrants still burned with many. Good. You like that shit? Uh, Proud of it. After the war, not all was well. Native-born Americans were facing threats to the political, economic, and cultural fabric of their lives. The two-party political system was collapsing. Oh, boy. Slavery had divided the Whig Party and the Democratic Party. Northern and Southern politicians had been fighting against each other, regardless of the party line. This sound weird? Is nope. Familiar no, I'm all? not even going to do it Is anymore. Is there any sort of parallel? Nope. That- <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. People stopped believing the present ruling political parties could hold the country together. Nope. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Not doing it. No, 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 no. Nope. This made voters willing to consider a third party, especially one that would not give in to the North-South tension. <laughs> Dave, stop it. Stop tempting me. Stop. I don't I'm not doing talking. it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not doing it. The economy was a huge issue. I'm not doing it, motherfucker. Stop. Okay? I'm not playing your game anymore, pal. <laughs> Between 1850 and 1854, the American economy fluctuated insanely between boom and depression. In 1854 came a huge rise in inflation due to the California gold rush. And at the same time, there was a huge rise in immigration, over 400,000 that year. There were Chinese and Japanese on the West Coast, Italians, Irish, and Germans on the East. They were competing with native-born Americans, for the few jobs that were out there. It was the worst in cities. In the South, immigrants pushed for legislation to keep blacks from certain jobs, such as dock workers. 
<laughs> I mean, if you're like black people are like, I mean, what the fuck? What is it going to take? Well, it wasn't that it was that they were slaves. And so if you kept them, if you kept masters from having their slaves work on the docks, then they'd have to pay people. Right, but it's still the the idea that like immigrants are like, yeah, yeah, get out of here, black people, and they're like, no, I but just, you're getting shit on you, you fucking fuck idiot. You. <laughs> um, this, of course, caused slave owners to be concerned about immigrants. One Southerner, L. W. Spratt of South Carolina, said that immigrants would quote question the right of masters to employ their slaves in any works that they may wish for, and thus. The town of Charleston, at the very heart of slavery, may become a fortress of democratic power against slavery. Could you imagine? Oh, God. What kind of anarchy is this? Oh, we can't have this. Native-born Americans linked the loss of their economic security with the rise of immigrant labor that was just actually occurring coincidentally. As noted by Benjamin Franklin, there were big culture differences besides just religion. The immigrants also wanted social reform, free schools, and temperance. <laughs> Fools. Fools. Temperance was a big problem. The Irish and German came from cultures where drinking was the norm. Right. This caused a backlash, and many natives began to push to limit drinking as a way to, quote, cure the drunken Irishman. Good luck. Yeah, that, that, that'll do. We're still trying that. Yeah. Uh, you guys should meet my dad. So temperance reform became a status issue and was an obvious difference between natives and immigrants. The immigrants naturally were furious because they're trying to take away their whiskey. I mean, that's uh, that is bullshit. It is bullshit. Yeah. From their cold, dead hands. Who knew? I had no idea that the, the fucking temperance movement was partially based in just fucking non-temperance anti-immigrant <laughs> assholeism so in 1850 a man named charles allen and others formed a secret nativist society in new york oh always good always good when a bunch of white guys get together and go how do we cut out everybody again i agree always in good. quiet secrecy yeah Secret societies were all the rage then. This was the era of Masonic temples and knight, the Knights Templar. <laughs> I mean, it's all the rage in something you can't talk about. Right. Well, everybody's I mean, doing it. I mean, nobody's doing it. Well, you, do, you give a couple of winks. Everybody's doing it. Hey, do you know about the. Uh, huh, 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 no, huh, what is that? Huh, huh, huh. Oh, nothing, nothing. All right. Hold on. Why does everyone you. keep doing that to me? Hey, 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 hey. Everybody keeps doing Are that. You part of the. Uh, huh, 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 huh? No. Oh, never mind. Wait. Gotta go. Okay. Uh, so this, uh, this group was called the order of the star spangled banner because just, just fucking hack it up. Just be as hacky as possible. We meet inside of the flag. You had to be 21. Okay. And a Protestant. Okay. And you had to follow orders without questioning. Hey, cool. Home of the free. They had signals. Rituals and sacred oaths. Okay. The Brotherhood had three goals. Prevent non-native born citizens from holding public office. All right. Stop native Catholics from the same. Okay. And uphold and defend the union. (laughs) Well, uh, so they're all very different. They are. Vastly different. They also created a mysterious hero who they called Sam. 
Oh, no. He's not an uncle, is he? He was not Uncle Sam. Oh. But a younger gentleman, the nephew of Uncle Sam. Wait, they created... Yep. Was Uncle Sam based on anyone? Uncle Sam already existed. But was he based on anybody? I, I don't know if he was based on anybody. I think he was like a fabricate, a fabricated character to rally people. So they just made up another... They made up his nephew. They made up a relative character? Well, who, if he's called Uncle Sam, there's got to be another guy. Nephew Sam. Nephew Sam. Oh, great. And his nephew Sam. Sam believed that America shall rule America. Joining the order was known as going to see Sam. Uh, I'm going to go see Sam. Oh, you are? Yeah. Good. Tell him I said hi. Yeah, I will. Yeah. He's not a good guy. one. Not doing also, if you see, are you going to see Larry? Oh, you think... Oh. oh. What? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm also going to see Larry. Okay, then. Yeah. Because that's an anti-Polish group. Oh, wait. You know about the group. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, okay. I'm going to, yeah. Um, joining the order was known as going to see Sam. Sam had godlike qualities that members thought they shared. Well, always grounding. Quote, he never strikes without warning, but when he does, the edge of his claymore severs joints and marrow and a hecatomb falls with every blow. What, Dave, what's a hecatomb? Fuck, I looked it up and now I forgot. Oh, man. Uh, Comb? Let's just say bag of bones. Okay. <laughs> Great. Still, the, it's violent. Yeah. The society picked candidates for public office and decided to vote for candidates who were, quote, the most American. Good. They kept low profiles, often denying what they you were You mean like to. the kind of guy who'll write... Like wrap bacon around the end of an AK forty seven. That's the fella shooting it. Yep. Uh, they kept low profiles, often denying what they were up to. When questioned by reporters, they would reply, "I know nothing." Interesting. Every member now, now people cover up that answer with other bullshit. Yes, they certainly do. Every member was sworn to secrecy. Newspaper editor Horace Greenley dubbed them the Know Nothings, and the name stuck. Okay. Cool. Was that an effective marketing strategy at the end of the day? Good. And they were successful. Their candidates won elections in the spring of 1854 in Boston, Salem, and the entire state of Massachusetts in the fall. So people literally would be like, I'm voting for the know-nothing. Yeah. Okay. In Boston, a special board was set up to investigate the sex lives of nuns. Wow. What an (laughs) order. That's an exciting assignment when you get that one. Sweet, yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, uh huh. I thought you guys were just gonna have me follow uh, some more of these dudes with weird facial hair. <clears throat> so, are there photos or uh, like stories? Like, uh, hey, I I went to the convent the other day and you know to repair some pipes. And you know what? I'm gonna take you off of this case. And, uh, and a lot of questions. And you seem there, a little and, uh, wound up ever since I gave you and that. When one. I went in there, they were like, "That's you, not you, the you, that's you, not you, the pipe you, you're here to repair." Stop, no, no, no. You stop going in there. Well, you they won't... carry your pipe. No, no, they no. Said. You're not going in there to fuck nuns. Were you listening? <laughs> Jesus, look at how sweaty you are. Oh, it's just the nuns. Get, sit down. Get him some water. My God. This investigation is going very well. You're not investigating anything. I'm putting you on something. You're going to go investigate the no, Fucking Catholics. No, stop it. Get your... Ah. The Whig candidate for the mayor of Philadelphia came out as a know-nothing. He then won in a landslide. I hope he took his wig off when he did that. I'm actually... Gentlemen. A know-nothing. Oh. And I was the whole time. Soon after, all naturalized citizens on the police force were fired. 
all nat. So anybody who was just a any any immigrant who had former become immigrant a who now was a police officer was and fired. established themselves as a police officer was immediately fired. fired. Okay, good, good. Uh, Washington, uh, the Washington D.C. mayor was now a know nothing. Uh, they helped the mayor of San Francisco to win and the governor of California. A know-nothing judge on the California State Supreme Court ruled that no Chinese person could testify as a witness against a white man. Well, that's probably going to make truth-seeking difficult. <laughs> so if you were Chinese, you were like... Uh, 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 you just wouldn't no, say anything. No, no, no. Yeah. It's almost like how in Muslim countries, if like women are raped, they're, uh, they're put in jail for adultery. It's exactly sort so, of that. So yeah. you're just like, you know, maybe I just won't say anything. Hey, what about not talking? You created the worst condition possible for honesty. Levi Boone was elected mayor of Chicago for the Know Nothings. He then barred all immigrants from city jobs. Good. Good. Well, it sounds like it's all coming together as far as the melting pot angle. Now, one of the ways uh, they, uh, they pulled off these election victories was to align with gangs. The Rip Raps and Pug Uglies in Baltimore, the Bowery Boys in New York. The Those are our old friends from yeah, recently. our bros. The Know Nothings also had their own paramilitary organization called the Wide Awakes. Jesus. Paramilitary? Yeah, fuck yeah. Shit's fucking real. Uh, they would scare away immigrants on election day. And it worked. Why, At they needed a driver's license? Yeah, well, uh, kind of. Sense. Or they just get hit with a bat. <laughs> oh, same thing. As their success peaked, future President Rutherford B. Hayes observed... How people do hate Catholics. Oh, boy, they really do, huh? Hmm. Well, this is interesting. They really seem to not like them. You know, I'm sort of noticing a trend. Could you pass the caviar? Thank you. Mm, boy, I love it when it's nice and eggy. The Know Nothings had so much success, they decided to organize nationally and become a national party. Okay. They worked in secret for a few years. Then in 1855, they became an open political parley, party renamed the American Party. All right. That way they could show they, 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 what they were super into. That's uh, sort of like how uh, Budweiser's now, did you see this? <laughs> how Bud, Budweiser until August is allowed, or until November is allowed to call them their beer America? Yeah, but isn't that just the Belgian people that own it making fun of Americans? I think it is, uh, look, whatever it is, I just know we're going to eat it up like slop. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, there's going to be... We've got to be so excited about that. Yeah. Belgium. I mean, if you could make that connection, I'm sure people would be upset. No, nah, they probably wouldn't be. Oh, it's all over. When you're drinking, when you're drinking America, the beer, <laughs> I think we're, like, getting out of control. Yeah, we've completely lost our mind. Okay, so at this point, the party had an estimated membership of 1250000 their main membership was lower middle class or blue collar workers. Can you believe that? Yes, I can believe that. It's so weird that no, when, and when economic no. times aren't going well, that that immigrants are pitted against blue collar. That doesn't usually seem to be the I way. I see no connection. They were against wealth, elites, and experts. Uh, why? I mean, it's my favorite Why thing. Why the I war think on I experts? I think it's my favorite. Oh, hey, mister, I know everything. Yes, I went to school for this. Oh, did you go to school for this? Yes, I'm telling you, it's based on fact. Oh, uh, yeah? Well, how about this? Fuck you, mister, I know stuff. I do know stuff. I'm trying to I help you. I know stuff, too. Okay. I guess I shouldn't have gone to the know-nothing hey, party. Hey, check out the expert. 
Hi. I'd love Mister, to... I went to school to learn about things. I did. I'm proud of my... Did you? Yeah. Because I can think, too. It's not. I'm not saying you can't think. Oh, you're not? Because no. you look at me like I'm an animal. I'm trying to help you idiots. Fuck you. Okay, you know what? I'm Throw done. locks at him. Oh, God damn it. Some of those are bigger than others. <laughs> Some of those are bigger than others. Uh, the poor were overthrowing the upper class. Where they ruled, they passed legislation to regulate railroads, insurance companies, and utilities. They funded books for schools and gave more money to libraries. They were at the height of their power in 1855, and with it came merch. Merch? There were no-nothing candies. Oh, boy. No-nothing tea. Oh, boy. And no-nothing toothpicks. Steaks? Yeah, just all kinds of no-nothing stuff. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I'd like uh, some bread and a pack of no-nothings. All right, there you are. Uh, that is amazing. Merch. Merch, merch. got... People realized merch early. Merch. merch. Yeah. <laughs> Fast. But don't you love that That it's also uh, a fucking... Against the upper class. It's a fucking revolution of sorts. Yes. That, like, while they are against immigrants, they're also getting in and taking their shit back. It's it's they've there's good parts and bad parts, which people don't realize is what a lot of the Trump supporters want to do. Well, that is true. I feel, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it, it it really is quite a quite an onion to slice when you it's want to when you want to talk about what is at the heart of the Trump thing. It's really hard because some of it is totally grounded in something that like like guys like you and I would totally share. Yeah, you know, like the idea of like doing that, but. Then there's just the fucking nuts. Yeah, there's just there's the rest of the the body. Oh God, we're all gonna die. Yeah, fast too. <laughs> really, way faster than I thought. It's almost like for a long time we were like on the Titanic and it was sinking, and instead of organizing the chairs, people were like, let's punch holes in the ship and burn all the wood. And try to get each other underwater. As fast as we can. Huh? I could see us drowning before this thing hits the ocean. I'm not kidding. Um, their most important duty, of course, was to stop Catholics. Yes. The Republic was described by the party as an ideal place which needed to be defended at all costs. Quote, Examine the history of the Roman Catholic Church throughout all time. Her course has ever been a consistent one, like the fabled... Upas tree. Oh, God. That is one of my favorite fables. <laughs> Upas Street? Down on Upas Street. Like the fabled Upas tree, it is... No, tree. Upas tree? Tree. Yeah. No, I'm saying tree. Yeah. You think just because I was singing the main, main You're not street? with us, are you? For sure. You're not part of this. This is part of the Upas tree. No, you're not part of our secret group. Hey, All right, fine. <laughs> I'm a no-something. I'm an, I'm an actual strive for knowledgeer. Like the fable Lubas tree, it is her office to destroy every healthy organization which exists. She is a serpent that gives no alarm. A moral-plagued spot in a political miasma. In a word, she is that whitened tomb which is inwardly, inwardly full of dead men's bones and corruption. Hell must rejoice and demons exult in so accursed an institution, so long as it shall flourish, Satan will need no emissaries. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Question in the you back. Do, yes, go ahead. Um, what 
Okay, I'll read it again. Okay. But it's about the church, the Catholic Church being okay, bad. Okay, okay. If the Catholic Church is bad, is that good? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's us sum it up. Okay. Super fucked up, Catholic Church. Right. Are you you're part of the group, yeah? God, no, it's me again. I got you, motherfucker. Who is at the door? You ask who is at the door? Why, it's me again. I'm ah! at the door. To stop Catholic evil, all one had to do was just join the party and vote the know-nothing ticket. Once in control, the party would toughen naturalization laws and prevent Catholics from holding public office. This would stop the Catholic plot. Oddly the Catholic enough, plot. Yeah, the Catholic plot. Oddly enough, they said this would not compromise Catholics' religious freedom. No, no, what? How could it even be? How could you even say that what it would? Mean? What do you mean? How could you even make that connection? That's crazy. That is, but you have to admit that's quite a logic leap. Yeah. If someone's just trying to shut you out of everything, yeah. To say that in some way this might affect your religious freedom. They believed they were just sacrificing the political rights of a few immigrants, and they were doing this out of love. Thank you. And that and that is what really hurts is that we're trying to love you, right? And and you're acting like we're trying to squeeze right. you really hard Thank and suffocate you. you. I know it's hard. It's I don't understand so what they're doing. I deal just is. like their their whole anyway, thing is a little I love off. Them. Oh, they're great. Everything they hold important, I despise and don't trust. They believe that immigrants did not know enough to protect themselves. It's true. It's sad, it's right? Kind of like a goat whose legs doesn't work. A common thing that people say today. Yeah. No, nothing. Party leader Frederick Anspach summed it up. Quote. It is because we love the immigrants and the interests of our country that we would give them no higher political position than citizenship. <laughs> Look, I mean, I guess my first question is he knew he was being quoted or he had no idea. He got halfway through that and he was like, let me try again. Sorry, that actually is completely contradictory. As such, they can be happy and useful. Yeah, see? If their little minds are lulled Look, into this sort they, of position. They should be scurrying around at the bottom. But if they get up above, if they get... Lifted up high, they don't know what they're doing. It's for their it's own like good. It's like giving a bat a fork. It would be like sitting a baby at a poker table. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> Which is weird because at the same time, nativist mobs of hundreds or thousands were attacking immigrants in what were called patty hunts. Whew, that's a fun title. A patty Isn't hunt? that a game they have on PlayStation? I think, yeah. Patty Hunts? I love Patty Hunts. <laughs> oh, Patty Hunts is the best. Patty yeah. Hunts. I made it to level four. Patty Hunts. Patty Hunts. Oof. Yeah. Ugh. The more they came out, the more bold nativists were in their attacks on immigrants. And they became more bold during elections. In Louisville, in early August, a contentious election was looming. George Prentice, editor of the Louisville Daily Journal, inflamed the nativists with editorials in the lead-up. He denounced the, <clears throat> quote, most pestilent influence of the foreign swarms loyal to an inflamed Italian despot who keeps people kissing his toes all day. <laughs> and they were offended? I think. What part got them? But I, I feel like... The po doesn't the Pope wash people's feet? He doesn't have people kiss his toes? Or was the Pope different back then? Was the Pope like, I'm sitting here, so you might as well kiss, start kissing that shit? Could be a 69 kind of situation where they're like uh, washing his feet on one end he, and he's kind of yep, kissing theirs. Yep. Uh, 
So on August 6th, the city was 10th. About a quarter of the city was German and Irish Catholic who were mostly new arrivals. Who were like, boy, we made the wrong call. No, fuck. White awakes were stationed at the polls and only let men with a yellow know-nothing ticket vote. Hundreds were kept from voting. A former congressman appeared to the know-nothings pleading to let everyone vote. Rocks? And he was beaten. <laughs> okay. Uh, no rocks, but at least they beat him. Now, <clears throat> the Irish Catholics were not pleased with this turn of events. Really? In the afternoon, it went off. Fifteen men were shot, including a cop. Three of them died. Homes of Germans were broken into and looted. Around 4 p.m., a huge mob entered the German neighborhood on Shelby Street with shotguns, muskets, and rifles and started attacking people. The mayor, who was a know-nothing, was able to get them to stop and leave. Then they set a brewery on fire. (laughs) You were leaving! (laughs) A reverend was stoned to death. Oh, God. Three Irishmen were beaten on Main Street, and the Irish responded by showing... By shooting out of their houses. Again, they're shooting out of their houses. That seems like a smart move. Yeah, it's fucking great. Two men were killed. An Irishman was... Relieved of his gun and then hung, but he survived. Wow, terrible job. Irish, because he's Irish. That's great, though. That isn't going to fucking stop me. It was probably like Popeye. Like somebody was just like, look, looks like Clarence is dead. Pour a little bit of whiskey in his mouth. And then he was like, boy, ain't I got thirst. Boy, ain't I got it. Yeah, we'll go show them. We will. Just after sunset, a row of houses owned by an Irish landlord were burned down as the tenants fled in flames. They were gunned down. There'll be no security deposits given back. No security deposits will be given back. Read the fine print on your feet. Yeah, we're all fucking dead anyway. Oh, whew. For a second, I thought you were going to ask for your security deposits back. Oh, we're dead. I know. Turns out, worked out nice for me. Wait, what do you mean we're dead? Yeah, you're dead, absolutely. Oh, fuck, I was going to collect our security deposits. Yeah, well, you went around to collect security deposits when people were shooting. Right, right. Well, in retrospect... Shouldn't have them. Afterlife ain't much, is it? No, it's not good. Not much. It's pretty basic. This would become... Love to hang a poster on the wall or something. Just <laughs> really liven the room up. Oh, I got a Guinness one. Oh, that's nice. This would become known as Bloody Monday. More than 100 businesses, homes, and tenements were vandalized or burned down. The official death toll was 22, but leading Catholics said it was well over 100, with entire families being burned alive in the row of houses. Not to be insensitive, uh, but Bordner's in Hollywood does a great Bloody Monday, where it's uh, Mm -hmm. two for $7, and their batch of Bloody Mary mix is unreal. But uh, my heart goes out to No, I get it. No, it's a a great uh, time for an ad. Buddy, buddy, let me tell you. You yeah. think you're not? You think you're gonna have two? You'll have six. <laughs> we do. We do ads here on. Uh, ah, absolutely. On... There were no criminal prosecutions for the riot or the deaths. Tens of thousands of Louisville citizens fled the city permanently. In Baltimore, the Know Nothings had taken control of the city government in eight in the 1854 elections, but the next year they lost control, and then in 1856, the American Party and the Democratic Party. We're preparing for a tense election day. In the run-up, both parties, as was common at the time, would march through each other's wards at night, singing songs, holding banners and torches, and making speeches. I mean, this sounds like a... You might be asking for it a little. A little bit. A little bit. The fine line between campaigning and badgering. Often someone would be stabbed with a shoemaker's awl. 
which was like an ice pick. Uh, That was just sort of like an outreach or... So they they would go into another neighborhood and then dudes from the neighborhood would walk out and just fucking shank them. Okay. Starting to see the forest through the trees on the plan a little bit. The Shoemakers All was so a part of elections that in 1859, the American Party would put the all on their banners. <laughs> wow, that is a... <laughs> fucking... That's quite a kiss. That's quite a kissing of the ass. <laughs> this is how we do our stabbing. All right. <clears throat> now, what if I told you guys we would put that on our company logo? So that's our banner. It says the American Party. There's the fucking all. And then underneath it says, don't fuck with us. Vote for us. Good. It, good. You we, fucking shit bags. Right. I didn't look at the back, but that is on the back. Dear animals. Oh, gosh. I'm going to put go this to... in your eye. Okay. Um, How about a vote? Well, okay. You're getting you're getting there very quickly, so slow down. We huh? No, 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 no. You don't understand how this works. I'm going to poke you in your gut, you fucking animal. Why do people not get you on their side? How more? about a vote for daddy? Uh, no, uh, okay. Everyone, we're going to vote. <laughs> Otherwise, this guy's going to stir us. Oh God! Uh, the the favorite picture on the banners was a figure figure of a man running with another man chasing him while sticking him with an awl. Wow, that is. I mean, that's just so upfront. It's very. It just tells you what. They oh, mean. so they're the party that does that. Okay. <laughs> very clear. Very very clear. So on election day, the Know Nothing Pug Uglies, uh, the local Baltimore gang associated with the Know Nothing, would strap alls to their knees and surround voters and force them to run off. You mean it was a runoff election? So they would. <laughs> yeah, I got. They it. had ice pick. They had ice picks on their knees as a sort of like, hey, just so you know. Ah, yeah, I'll be stabbing you right there. In the we thigh. got him if you need him. Yeah, if you want to go in there, that's fine. We got him. We can show him to you. <clears throat> Sharp point first. They would yell, come up and vote. There is room for all. I mean, that's While really displaying ice picks to stab people. With. That's not bad. <laughs> this is when voting was not private. You had to wait in line, pass groups of men who watched you, and uh. then you'd put your ticket into the box of who you wanted to vote for. Boy, who as am I? judges watched. Who am I uh, gonna? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Boy, I was. I've been undecided. I think I'm gonna go. No, nothing. Okay, I think I'll vote. Good. That's good. Have you seen me ice pick? Yeah. Um, mm, she's a beaut. Yeah, for sure. I think Gonna I, put I, it I, right. You know, politically, I'm not uh, not affiliated with them, but while I'm here, I'm feeling strong about what they're doing. Gonna put it right in your tummy. I'm gonna vote it right away. Immigrants had to present their papers, but in a know nothing war, the immigrants would just be beaten and leave. <laughs> okay. The gangs had uh, other ways to sway the vote. Uh, Th- they needed other ways. One was called cooping. Oh, God. They would kidnap people, mostly immigrants, take them to cellars or sheds, and hold them in disgusting conditions. They would then make them drink tons of whiskey, and then they'd rob them and kick the shit out of them. Then they would take them to the polls to vote, and they'd be taken to poll after poll <laughs> after poll. <laughs> so, Okay. I, I honestly, if you really think about it, as an immigrant, this was probably best case scenario for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got shit faced and you got driven around for a while. Yeah, and you got to vote against what your interests. Yeah, are. sure. 
Peter Fitzpatrick testified. I voted 15 times today for 15. No one else is a candidate. So they beat the shit out of me. But this democracy shit is pretty great. We're not thinking a lot. Patty, how you doing? I, it, it's just fun to be part of the movement for once in my life. <laughs> you get so used to being pushed down in this day and age. Well, the idea that you can finally vote, not only vote one time, but cast your ballot 15 or 20 times with a pick in your bag. What a country, you know. How long do you take the boat riders to go back to Ireland? Roughly. Don't do it. Peter Fitzpatrick testified that he was held in Pug Ugly Raz Levy's coop. There he watched as a Pug Ugly burned off a German immigrant's beard with a candle. (laughs) Go on, smell it. It's scented. And there were the riots. As expected, shots were fired by different mobs at each other. They also used pickaxes to rip up cobblestones and throw them at each other. And it wasn't just the mobs who were hurt. Often, innocent civilians were killed by gunfire. That seems to be the M.O. In the Sixth Ward, the gangs battled with artillery on Orland Street for several hours. Jesus. Just just election day, you guys. (laughs) There were more... uh, uh, Oh, right. uh, The the rip-raps and the pug-uglies attacked the Democratic-held... New Market Fire Company. Five died there. The violence was very well organized and planned. The gang members had experience and targeted Petty Naff, the New Market Fire Company's most notorious fighter. The result of the 1856 election was a victory by the Know Nothings by 9,000 votes. Can wow. you believe that? That's I don't crazy. know how they pulled how that off. How do you off. think they won? I have no idea. It's, the polling. Get the, the message out there. Yeah, the polling before said that they were going to lose. True, the exit polling was not good. But You know what might have had something to do with it? The artillery. Oh, I don't know. I'm and the kidnappings and the I'm, the murders. You the stabbings. Right. I sort of feel like again, it was just one of those things where they got their message out a little bit. Clearer. Yeah, ground game. Yeah. yeah, ground game. Exactly, ground game. Uh, in 1856, the outgoing mayor estimated there were 30 dead and 350 wounded on that day. In every election in Baltimore between 1854 and 1858, at least a dozen people were killed on election day. Jesus. The know-nothing violence was so brutal. In 18... So when they say voter die today. Yeah, I fucking mean it. <laughs> a little different. <clears throat> the know-nothing violence was so brutal that in 1856, uh, so brutal in 1856, but that by 1857, the Democratic Party had all but given up Maryland. The know-nothings won the governor's office, the House, the Senate, and the congressional delegation. Good for them. But once the know-nothings began to exert control and win elections, they ran into a problem. They were not able to make things better. They could not deliver on their promises. Their entire platform was based on lies. And this caused voters, because the nation was in such horrible trouble, to look at competing ideas for answers. Boy. So they get in there and it turns out the immigrants aren't there. Diversity was actually maybe something that would have been good. Abraham... uh, Wait, uh, many also detested their brutal ways, especially after the riots, and when they tarred and feathered a priest in Maine. Oh, well, but in their defense, it was really funny. I mean, hilarious. He looked like a big, pious bird. (laughs) 
Politicians began to leave the party and join the Republicans and Democrats. The battle was now clearly over slavery, and the know-nothings just wanted to fight off the Catholics. Uh, don't forget about our message. We don't know what we like on slavery. Abraham Lincoln was disgusted. Quote, I am not a know-nothing, that is certain. How could I be? How can anyone who abhors the oppression of Negroes be in favor of degrading classes of white people? I find it so disgusting, I'll fill my enormous hat with vomit. Okay, that... He, was, he said that, right? Is that a true thing that he yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. Fair. He used to always say that. Oh, yeah, I've seen that too. Slavery makes me so disgusted, I may as well fill my big weird hat with throw-up. Who wants to wrestle? <laughs> So they left the party. Many looked toward the Republican Party, who in 1856 were making the case that the reason for American ills was slave power. The Republicans incorporated anti-slavery into their official party rhetoric, which put it in direct competition with the know-nothing, blame-the-immigrant rhetoric. Slavery was described as a bigger evil than Catholicism. But wait, they, they're calling... Sorry, what is their exact angle on slavery? Who, the Republicans? Yeah. They're against it. They're against it? Yeah, Republicans. Did you time travel? No, Republicans. They're against it. Were the ones who were against slavery. Democrats are for slavery. Right. So so they're against it. And so they're they're basically saying, well, the problems with all the country now is not anti-immigration. It's that there's slaveholders. That's the problem. That's what's causing all our problems. Okay. So, my favorite sentence is slavery was described as a bigger evil than Catholicism. Yeah. If you can imagine. Well. If you can imagine a world. I agree with you, Dave. That's not true. Where slavery. I agree. Is worse than. It's offensive to the Catholics. Catholicism. I agree. It's offensive to Catholic people. Now, Southern politicians and planters became the villains. The Whigs, Democrats, and Republicans all pointed out that the Know Nothing Party, at its core, would hurt free speech, free religion, and individual worth to achieve their goals. How could one destroy the Catholics by undermining Americans' long-held rights? Right? So they, you know, yeah, it's the thing we were talking about. The contradiction slowly Makes weakened. Makes no sense to me. The contradiction slowly weakened the Know Nothings, at least uh, among the thoughtful members of the party. Okay. <clears throat> Another big problem with the Nothing Party was that they did not see the changing of America. <laughs> no, I won't do it. What? Not. Nope. Nope. The U.S. was not a single country in 1855. It was completely splitting apart into North and South. Mm-hmm. The entire Nothing platform was just built upon it being a united republic without sectional issues. <sighs> the party just ignored the truth of changing political realities. We about done here? I and feel- this was a big part of the end of the know-nothings. It sounds like today, okay? <laughs> it sounds just like today. It's exactly today, okay? It's today. Uh, it's it's the same shit, different era. What are you talking about? Oh, go to hell. This ignoring of the... Truth of political realities has ended many parties in America and elsewhere. If you ignore the reality on the ground, you will perish. Democrats. In the South, the party was mostly ex-Whigs, but not pro-slavery Whigs who went to the Democrats. They briefly challenged the Democrats for dominance in 1855, but lost and quickly disintegrated. In Louisiana and Maryland, things got so bad, the know-nothings started accepting native-born Catholics. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
So they start. They sort of compromise their initial values to survive. Okay. So uh, what about we let in Catholics that were born here? They're just ideas. They're just They're just ideas. They went out They're ideas that we want to debate on. I mean, it's fucking crazy. It's just. In the North, the party quickly collapsed after 1855, dividing over slavery. This eventually led to a split in the party. One side changed its name from Sam to Jonathan. Oh, God. What? <laughs> his brother. His made-up brother, Jonathan. He's got another nephew, <laughs> yeah. Johnny. Who's actually <clears throat> awesome. There ain't no Johnny. We're Sam's. Listen, Sam's dead. Fuck you. We're the Jonathans. Come on, the Jonathans is fighting the Sams <laughs> in the streets. I ain't no Sam. I'm a fucking Jonathan. You sound ridiculous, brother. <sighs> um, the Jonathans formed an anti-slavery and anti-Catholic party, and they let Protestant immigrants into the party. Boy, they so are now- really like, <laughs> everybody are- is just sort of watering down their initial values now everything has a subsect. Now it's, it used to be like, here are things one, two, three. Now it's like 1A, 1B, 1C. I just love that. Like, all right, we'll let in immigrants, but good ones. Okay. Better? And down, and down yeah. there, they're like, all right, no immigrants, but Catholics. Okay. Everybody's on board, right? We're holding it together. <laughs> We're all as well, right? <laughs> um, more and more of the know-nothings peeled off and joined the Republicans. The Know-Nothings elected Millard Fillmore to be their presidential nominee in 1856. He won 23% of the popular vote and one state, Maryland. (laughs) American Party members continued to leave for other parties, and by 1860, they were pretty much toast. Nativism was far from over in America. The anti-Chinese movement flared up in the late 1800s. Anti-Catholicism rose again in the late 1800s late 1800s as well. In the early 1900s through 1920s, a movement against Eastern and Southern European immigrants kicked off. In the 1920s, the Ku Klux Klan became very popular. They were anti-Catholic, anti-Semitic, anti-alien, anti-black. In the mid-1960s, the Immigration Reform Act brought immigrants from third world nations and a movement against bilingualism began. In the 1980s, an English-only movement began to try to force the language of English on the government and the private sector. Uh, In the early 1990s, California lashed back against Mexican, Central, and American immigrants, uh, passing a restrictive law that was ruled illegal by the courts. And then now we have today. Well, so I think my point is, is that when people say that Trump and his anti-immigrant language is not American, uh, they couldn't be more wrong. You've really gotten bitten by the political fever, huh? Yeah, I've just been You've been enjoying the... You like the political... You like what's happening this political season. Jesus Christ. Our country's a fucking train wreck. You know what was funny? Well, not even funny, but was when I went to... I was just in England, and I went there, and uh, the amount of people who were like... (laughs) What's what what's going on? Yeah, they were so they're they're so like but don't you see how like crazy that is? And then a Muslim mayor has just been elected in London 
and those to see some of those same people be like, yeah, I think he's hiding something. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, well, we're different, but we're also, eh, I'm sort of supportive of your Muslim. Wear. But it, uh, yeah, yeah, it it really is. Uh, it was so nice to be sort of out of the uh, the rhetoric war. For oh, I bet. I checked in once or twice, and I was like, "Why am I doing that?" This is going to be s- such an ugly summer. Oh, you mean because of the heat? I agree. <laughs> They're saying record highs. We should actually point out, though, uh, that I-, I didn't get to see the documentary, but uh, we're- I did. So I uh, tickled uh, the documentary. Uh, it's been done by David Ferrier, uh, the uh, New Zealand journalist. Uh, which we did for, I believe it's episode three of The Dollop. Yeah. Um, which is a story that starts about competitive tickling. Which sounds sort of fun and cute. Sounds weird uh, and becomes pretty dark. Uh, well, he did a documentary about it and I went and saw it and it's fucking awesome. The preview and, uh, looks... It, it honestly, like, when I... Because we're, we're in the preview very quickly. Yeah, our voices are in it. But you're just like... Uh, <laughs> you're like... It's, it starts off, and you're like, Ah, oh, this is the tickling! And then you're like... Oh, God. Oh, boy, this really seems to take some turns. <laughs> Which all good documentaries do. They all start from this place where yep. you're like, This is a fun, simple world. You're like, Who is this oh, guy? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, so check out the... Uh, check out the uh, trailer... Uh, it's called Tickled, and then, and then uh, you know it's gonna it's gonna be in. I think it'll open up in New York and L.A. first, and then I think it's going to twenty eight different cities. Um, and if you're not in one of those cities, it's gonna be on HBO later yeah. uh, in the so, year. Tickled, so Tickled. It's it's really fucking great. It's it a great, great documentary. It looks great. Yeah. All right, all right. We sign uh, cars and cows. <laughs> that, that's new. We're expanding. Okay. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help. With Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it. But either way, fun. Half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd. And the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.